Savannah McCaskill proved once again she is a key orchestrator in Angel City's attack. The goal-scoring midfielder has the ability to progress her team along with an eye for the final ball. She was in the top 10 league-wide for passes into the final third and even more impressively, chances created. I sat down with the 2023 NWSL Best 11 presented by MasterCard honoree to discuss Angel City's wild season, competitiveness, and goals for the offseason. Well, first of all, Savannah, congratulations on being named to the 2023 NWSL Best 11 presented by MasterCard. How was this season for you? Yeah, um, I think it's no secret that it started off pretty slow. Um, you know, we found ourselves as a team at the bottom of the table going into kind of the midseason break. Um, and then, you know, Becky took over as the head coach. And I think as a team, we kind of refocused and training got way more intense, um, way more competitive. We finally got pretty much a full roster back and having healthy bodies and um, options on the bench who's going to start was a competition. And I think that really pushed us um, into the run that we had. I think we ended up going 11 unbeaten. Um, and then obviously making playoffs for the first time in club history was um, the cherry on top. Um, so, you know, it's kind of looking at it from two two sides, like it was two seasons in one, but um, the way that it ended is really positive and something that we can grow on going forward. Well, when you guys talk about the first half of the season, and, and it being a slow start, I understand what changed in the second half, but you have a lot of veterans in your squad. You have players that have had success in the NWSL before. What do you think was going wrong in the environment? Um, I think it was a couple of things. I think the biggest thing that I think obviously switched going forward was the how competitive training was. Um, I think, you know, obviously the old saying of, how you train is how you play. And I think that was a big, big part of, you know, what was going on on game day. I think a lot of us were kind of showing up to training and going through the motions and not really uh, making the training atmosphere competitive every single day. And so I think going into games, you saw lacks of, you know, lapses of focus and we were giving up goals early in games or super late in games, or, you know, we would score and then immediately give up a goal. Um, and I think, you know, those little areas was a huge, huge growing um, place for us. Um, just as a group, just that mentality of, you know, not giving up those soft goals in training so that on game day, we were in the headspace to not give those goals up as easily um, going forward. Yeah, well, I have a hard time believing, by the way, that you weren't competitive in the beginning part of the season because Madison Hammond has said you are the <laughs> most competitive player she's ever come across. And you're surrounded by professionals. So I am sure that you didn't change. But has that always been a staple in, in your game growing up? Yeah, I am an extremely competitive person. I've always been a competitive person. I've like told this story a couple of times, but Whenever I was little in school, I used to think that I had to turn my tests in first. Like, I don't know why I thought it was a competition of who could finish their <laughs> tests quickest, but I would have to turn my tests in first. And my mom, who has worked in education for the last like 25 years, would get so mad at me because I would make careless mistakes because I was rushing through these tests because I thought I needed to be first. And... So then I had to finally realize that, oh, no, the competition is who can get the highest grade, not who can turn the <laughs> test in first. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of correlated onto the field of, you know, I want to win and that's what drives me the most, obviously being, being really good and being the best that I can be also drives me, but you know, winning games is, is something that I hold special. Um, and I'm just like super competitive about. Yeah. Competitive family. Do you come from that? (laughs) Yeah, I would say, I would say so. I mean, like both my parents, obviously I've seen their work ethic and how the, how they go about things and they attack things like they want to get it right and do it perfectly and kind of be the best. And so I kind of grew up, you know, seeing that in them and that's just been instilled in me from, you know, an early age. Yeah. Well, now as you're kind of progressing, I, I was reflecting on your career. You've been in well-traveled in the league, let's say Chicago, Louisville, Sky Blue, now Angel City. So you've experienced a ton of different environments. But what would you say you're seeing in in the NWSL as a whole and the growth within the league? Yeah, I think obviously when I first got drafted to Sky Blue, the league was you know pretty early days, um, and the Sky Blue situation at the time was one of the you know let's say poorest in the league um, as far as resources, facilities. Um, playing out of Rutgers at the time, not having a stable training facility um, and kind of all those pieces that come with it. And so I've seen from that perspective of how hard it is to just show up and perform. You have to think about a million other things um, just to get to training and then, you know, obviously actually train and try to perform. And so I've, you know, coming from that to going through the league in the last six years of now being at Angel City and, um, having the resources and playing in a sold out stadium and, you know, not having to worry about, you know, doing your own laundry or bringing your own water to training. And, um, obviously with the CBA now and, you know, the minimum salary has increased and hopefully we can continue to push that, um, from a financial standpoint for all of the players in the league. Um, but I just think as a whole, like viewership has increased, sponsorship has increased, um, And I think that's just driving the standard as well. And so, you know, we as players can help drive the standard from the inside. But the more that we can get people to care about and watch women's soccer, um, the better off the league is going to is going to do going forward. It's such a good point. How much do you guys internally as players discuss your ability to impact viewership, your ability to drive tune in sponsorship and and how much you guys lean into that? um i think it's kind of an unspoken thing i think you know everyone has their own individual platforms and kind of the the groups of people that they can reach out to and have a effect on and i think it's just kind of an unspoken responsibility that you know everyone takes on when they join the league of like we need to get as many people out to games you know do the community service go to all the fan events you know reach as many people as we possibly can um, across, you know, all different types of people to try to get as many people out to games, watching games, knowing about the the club um, in the league, I think is, is um, super important for everyone to just kind of take responsibility of. Yeah. And, and so that's a lot of the responsibility off the field that, you know, you guys have, have carried the torch on when you look at, your game in particular, I know we talked about it last year, but every year is a new evolution and, and potentially, you know, you, your ability as a player, what are you focusing on? I mean, right now, best 11, 
it's a good season, but you've got to, yeah. I'm sure you're aspiring for something even greater. Yeah. Um, I think for me now it's, um, now that I've, you know, gotten into, you know, the best 11 and, you know, kind of sl- slowly getting some recognition in the league, I think that's now kind of the baseline standard for me going forward. I want to, um, continue that in the next few seasons and that in order to do that, then I have to continue to open a game that might not be the strongest. And so I think, you know, for me right now, it's scoring more goals. Um, you know, my efficiency of, of my scoring opportunities, being able to be more efficient in those moments and just kind of continuing to push my quickness, my agility. It's just kind of finding those little moments of, of mine that I can continue to push in this off season so that next season I don't have a drop off or I don't become complacent. Um, I want to keep improving and keep, keep, you know, keep evolving so that I can be, be the best that I can be. What will you do this off season? Where are you, by the way, I think everyone wants to know where are you driving to? <laughs> um, I'm actually driving tell? out to, yeah, I can tell. I'm actually driving out to Nevada. Um, like on the other side of Vegas for the weekend, just to a little getaway um, for the weekend, unplug, unwind. Yeah. Will you do a lot of training over the off season? Because so many players, they buckle down or they completely step away from the game and just clear their mind. Which, yeah, which are I, you? I think I'm a little bit of both. I think I take my trips like spread out throughout the off season so that I can have time to train and focus but also have a weekend here or there to kind of unplug and unwind and enjoy friends and family that I don't get to see all year but I think the biggest thing is you know the first couple of month and month and a half I focus more on agility or not really agility but like off the ball stuff so you know endurance lifting again trying to get some muscle back um that I lost over the season and then the second half of my off season, I focus on ball stuff and getting sharp and developing that kind of stuff in my game um, while still, you know, focusing on the, the off the ball stuff as well, but incorporating a ball more towards preseason. I think a lot of people listening to this would be surprised to hear you say the muscle you lose during the season, <laughs> because everyone thinks you build up through the, through the course of the season. Can you speak to that a bit more? Yeah, um, obviously with the amount of games that we're doing, training, you know, pretty much six days a week, five days a week, whatever the tempo might be, um, we do a ton of running. And so it's really hard to maintain muscle mass, especially because we usually get in two lifts a week, if in an ideal world, but you're not really pushing weights, it's more of maintaining. And so, you know, you try to not lose as much muscle mass, but it's still inevitable because we run so much. And so it's really important from an injury prevention standpoint to try to build that up as much as possible going into the next season. And so that you can maintain what you already have um, throughout the season and not, you know, be an injury risk or, you know, help as much as possible from that standpoint. What are you seeing Savannah in, in the global game? You know, we're talking about the incremental gains you can make individually, physically. But when, what are you seeing in the global game, either tactically, technically, physically, mentally, that, that is evolving? I think the this past year, watching the World Cup, obviously, countries that might not have been the strongest in years past are competing and winning games and, you know, making history for their countries. And 
it's now become a not a matter of like the same three teams are winning. It's a matter of everyone's going into world stages and world events and competing. And I think that's really cool to see because that means that, you know, obviously being an American, we have to also evolve and we have to step our game up. And um, in the past, you know, obviously athleticism and our physical side of the game as the U.S., I feel like has been a huge um, area that we've dominated. And I think the rest of the world is, is, is reaching that and is competing from a physical standpoint. And so I think, you know, from a soccer standpoint, we also have to evolve and we have to, you know, keep up with the rest of the world of from a tactics perspective, from a footy perspective. Um, I think it's a really important time for us as, as the U S to, you know, kind of look and see how we can continue to, evolve and and compete um on the world stage but also that's going to push the rest of the world because you know we have some of the best players in the world that are competing for the u.s right now and so if we can you know put something together that's really special i think that also is going to help grow the women's game from a from a global standpoint and so it's just a really cool you know time to be a women's soccer player honestly yeah if there was one player talking speaking about all the best players in the world there's one player you could bring to angel city who would it be Oh, that's hard. I know. Oh, um, oh, wow. I mean, one player. I only get one. You only get one. I mean, if we're talking about scoring goals, maybe bring Sam Kerr back to the NWSL. (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad pick. Yeah, I got to play with her in Chicago, obviously, for one year and just talk about a goal scoring threat at any and all times. You always have to know where she is anywhere near the goal. So, um, yeah, that could be a a fun um, addition. Was she easy for you to play with? Because this season you had four goals, but you had three assists and you do set up players. So could you read her movements well? Did she open up spaces for you to lay that final ball in? Yeah, I think I think if I got to play with Sam now where my where I'm at in my career and kind of how I've evolved I think it'd be really fun because Sam Kerr's ability to to threaten in behind back lines you know she's going to be in and around the six anytime you're in wide areas anytime there's going to be a cross in the box um it just allows midfielders to operate in so much more space um opens the game up a ton and kind of helps you become less predictable because teams have to respect that she's going to threaten in behind, but also that means if they drop, then you can exploit team too. And so um, I think it'd be really fun to get to play with her again. Yeah. I mean, one of the world's best entertainers, I think in the women's game, she, for me, changed what I thought was possible in the women's game with her athleticism and power pace and the way she was so electric uh, to watch. That's on the offensive side. Who's the player that you most hate playing against? From a defensive perspective, yep. Um, in the league, honestly, one of I think the hardest six to play against in the league over the last like six years for me has been Andy. Okay, um, I think she like is really good at sitting in spaces to break up play. And so I have to be smarter with my movement of where I pop into seam two and try to get off of her back shoulder so that she's not able to track me. And so the more that I can stay hidden from her kind of so that she can't pick me up um, as early 
Um, it's just always kind of a game of cat and mouse when I play against her, I feel. Yeah, super intelligent. I watch her play at Stanford, obviously, and then going on to the professional game. But it's always fun to watch that. I don't think of her as much as a defensive um, stalwart. So that's a really interesting pick. I like that. Something for yeah. us to watch. Savannah, what would be then your priceless moment from the 2023 season? My 2023 priceless moment would have to be the final game of the season, I think. Um, whenever we beat Portland at home in front of our fans, it came down to goal differential and it put us into playoffs. If we hadn't scored that many goals, um, we wouldn't have made playoffs. And so I just think it was the timing of it being at home, sold out BMO Stadium, um, just everything that encompassed that game um, was super, super special because I remember the end of the game, we all looked at each other because we had no, we had, we had won the game obviously, but we didn't know if we had made playoffs and there was a couple of games that needed to finish. And so we were all literally standing around waiting for someone to tell us that we made playoffs before we could celebrate. But as soon as we found out, like it was like tears of joy, happiness, like, you, that, that moment, like, you didn't really know how to react. Like, you just had so many emotions running through you that it was, you know, something that I'll personally never forget. Yeah. When you guys were in the moment and you got your first goal, and then you got the second, and then you got the third, talk about the crescendo of, wow, we're putting on a show. Yeah. Um, it was, like, as soon as everything, every single time we put the ball on frame, I feel like we were scoring. And so it was just kind of that like feeling as a player where it was like, if I shoot, I'm scoring. Like you just, it was kind of that kind of day. Like there was nothing that was going to stop us. Um, things were clicking defensively. We were pretty solid and I felt like Portland couldn't really solve us. They didn't really have an answer for it. And so it was just kind of, you know, you don't get those a lot in sport where you feel like everything is going your way. Um, even when they managed to score a goal, we immediately scored a goal again. And it was just like, you know, we, we knew that we had won the game. It was just a matter of how many goals we were going to score because there was still, I believe, 15, 20 minutes left on the clock and, you know, anything was possible. And I, it was, um, it was just one of those games you get as a pro that's really special. One of the best games of your career? Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I would definitely put it in the top three, if not the top two. Yeah. Well, that, that's a priceless moment, no doubt. Thank you so much, yeah. Sav, and congratulations on incredible season. What Angel City did as an expansion team in their second year to make it to the playoffs. You're a leader on that team, and it's just been a joy to watch you help that new program become relevant in the, in the NWSL so quickly. Thank you. I appreciate it.